Welcome everyone, my name is Andrea Richardson. Today we'll be continuing our discussion on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Last episode, we introduced uh, Dr. Christine Moses, CEO of Buffalo Cloud Consulting, and Mindy Crane, uh, Senior Consultant at Barry Dunn. Welcome. Um, if you haven't taken a listen of our first episode, I would encourage you to break out your headphones and take a listen. Um, we discussed the diversity, equity, inclusion, what it is, some key competencies, the impact that it can have on communities, agencies, and people. And now we're going to move that focus forward and take us into uh, from theory around DEI and move it into practice around DEI. So welcome again, uh, Dr. Moses and Mindy. To kick us off, um, if you guys, if, if Mindy and Dr. Moses, if you could tell us if I were to compare it, you know, what it is and what it's not, what would be things that I would see that would say, hey, that's not DEI or that is DEI? That's a good question. Um, I think DEI is actionable. That's one word I'd describe. It is not um and it, it it has been but it should not be simply a talking point there needs to be action behind it and commitment behind it that's that's one thing we brought up in the in the last episode is the is behavior change and the kind of long-term nature that is associated with the behavior change involved and so dei requires that commitment and it's it's not um, it, it's it's not simply just just something you slap on an initiative or or uh, an approach that an organization or state agency wants to take. It really requires those actions for change because it's you won't have the DEI promise and the impact that you need without making those commitments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a real commitment to time. You're gonna when you engage with a new client or even a client that you've been with for a long time and they've decided they want to come at this from a equity perspective, there's going to be a lot of time to build relationships. Mm. Like that's what equity looks like to me, is is relationship building. Deep, deep relationship building. Um, I'm working with a client in Washington state that has 1800 staff members, but we spent a whole bunch of time working with the leadership team, the diversity, equity and respect team, and then the team that's running the contract and a whole lot of time. So we all know where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. And then when we say, I don't know, there's grace. And we're all going to come at it together from a collaborative perspective. Mm -hmm. And so then I don't get caught up as a facilitator and consultant as, you know, this imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Which BIPOC can have at a greater rate. Um, and um, then I get to be my real self. And then I get to have all of me in the room and serving the client to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you did, you did fine. You did absolutely fine. I, and I think it's a good segue to sort of a next question I had was, you know, when you're thinking about 
DEI and if, you know, if I was running an agency and I wanted to kind of get started, we talked about how, hey, we need to kind of have these skills, you know, certain listening skills and flexibility and that openness to make mistakes and be okay with that and keep moving forward. I, I keep going back to kind of that feeling of being uncomfortable, right? How, what are some tips that, um, that folks might be able to think about um, to help people get through kind of that uncomfortable feeling? Because I feel like, I feel like if, if I were uncomfortable, I'd be like, oh no, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go there. Um, so what, what can you, what could you say to, to folks that might help them get over that, that feeling of uncomfortability? I'm going to ask him to channel their baby bison. <laughs> right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to find your breath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Literally find your breath. If you mm -hmm. can come back to your breath and close your eyes and, you know, channel the baby bison or the beach or your butterflies or bunnies or whatever that calming image is and coming back to your breath, you're gonna get out of the amygdala hijack and you're gonna come back into your prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. And that's what you wanna do. Your amygdala has hijacked you to fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And coming back to your breath mm -hmm. will allow you to come back into your present mind, literally, mm -hmm. in order to stay in the conversation, stay at the table, stay in the discomfort. Mm -hmm. what, what are some of your strategies, Mindy? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think being centered and understanding and being yourself with that breath work and mindfulness is, is essential. I think also having, infra, or having regular communication and buy-in from leadership mm -hmm. and being able to hold on to that, to know, okay, I'm uncomfortable and I know my leadership is also uncomfortable, but we're we're in this together and we want to move forward in this way. So if I'm uncomfortable, I know that my leaders are uncomfortable too, but this is for a greater good. And, you know, I liken it sometimes to initiatives around climate change. You know, it's just easier to not recycle or, you know, uh, you know use more single uh, single use plastic, those types of initiatives. It takes it's that behavior change and it takes that commitment to make those small adjustments. So it's but you need to know why and, mm -hmm. and having the rationale why and having the frequent touch points from leadership to have that reminder, say, OK, we're we're choosing to be a community. I'm choosing to be a member of this community that wants more DEI in our environment. So. Mm -hmm. How do we do this? So leaning into those messages, reminding oneself and thinking, OK, this is going to be uncomfortable. But this is what I signed up for because it's for the greater good in this way. And that's what they've communicated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. You know, I often think that, you know, when you're when you're thinking about like uh, child welfare practice or human service types of practices, it's, you know, a lot of it's that relationship building. You're working with people. It can be very subjective. Um, so help help uh, help our listeners kind of frame what 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 does success look like? So if I were successfully moving this forward and 
people were really kind of buying into it and kind of getting into this work, what what would that look like? What what, what would I see? What would be something that I would I would begin to notice? Well, I'm going to I'm actually going to ask I'm going to reframe that as what would you feel? OK, because see and feel are very, very different. This is true. Right. I'm going to come at it from a somatic perspective mm-hmm. of belonging. If I feel like I can make a mistake and not be reprimanded, but rather it is a process of inquiry and discovery, then I might be more innovative mm-hmm. because that's where innovation comes from is risk taking. Mm-hmm. And if I can fail forward, then I'm going to feel like I belong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel like my voice is heard and that things can could be different than what they are if I'm living in a punitive, extractive um, work environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think my key indicators are feelings of belonging, feelings of the ability to fail forward, to mm-hmm. make a mistake without judgment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Mindy? I, I totally agree. And I, I the council came together. We were the DEI council and we added this belonging and access element to it because we all felt that that really resonated mm-hmm. with membership. It's if we want if we want to really push this forward, if we want to be successful in this DEI initiative, it means uh, buried on is a place for all and mm-hmm. everyone can find a place and find a community in the firm. So I, I I totally agree with that sense of belonging and the vulnerability of being able to fail and it be okay. Mm-hmm. That that element of it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also there may be an element of what we're facing on our journey for the DEI Council, DEIBA Council at, at Barry Gunn is a sense of transparency and ownership across mm-hmm. the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we keep coming back to this being uncomfortable bit, and I don't want to don't want to paint it as if it's going to be a, a struggle. But I think part of our success that we've seen so far is calling out what needs to be called out Mm -hmm. because that's going to mean there needs to be change and where we are right now is not meeting our what we expect from each other from our firm for DEI and so being able to comfortably call out what needs to be changed across the firm across leadership in the conversations among each other and being able to say you know this is for so that we can achieve a more diverse, a more equitable, a more inclusive environment. Mm -hmm. And so calling out that and having that ownership amongst each other is is an important one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mindy touched on something super important, um, that the ability to give and receive feedback Mm -hmm. and seek out feedback. If your organization has ways of doing that, that then allows for those real human-centered conversations to happen. Mm -hmm. Then you can normalize conversations around race and racism and othering because we know already that if I'm going to receive feedback, I'm not freaked out. Mm 
right? Oh my God, I'm going to receive feedback. This is so terrifying. No, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for growth and learning, mm-hmm. right? If if we can shift even giving and receiving feedback into a learning experience, mm-hmm. that's going to bring down the temperature of everything within the organization to a manageable place. Sure. And then I can listen, I can hear, I can learn, mm-hmm. and I'm not feeling like I am being attacked or, or you know, like some punitive relationship. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really important skill for for Barry Dunn as well as, you know, the client. So, right. Right. I love yeah. that. I think that's a great, a great perspective and a great way to frame it too. that kind of opportunity, because while we are saying, you know, it's it's going to be hard with these are these hard truths that we have to accept. It's a journey that we need to move on. Ultimately, this is so that we can serve others better. This is where why we want to move forward, because we can serve our clients better. We can serve each other within the firm better with this recognition. So I love that framing of having having this be a real opportunity for change, not not simply we ought to do this. This is mm-hmm. this is where the direction's going. This is so we can serve better and be better for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everyone wins, right? Yeah. Everybody wins. Right, right. Yeah, I think that you've both said some really, really important things here. You know, when you're talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Moses, you said, you know, about people belonging and feeling heard. And, you know, I, when you were saying those things, I was thinking, you know, a lot of the things that um, in child welfare and human services broadly, what we experience is that we have this constant turnover, right, of of staff that, you know, leave the work um, because, you know, the culture isn't good within the agency. They don't feel like they're heard. They, you know, there's, there's just all of these different issues that they're experiencing, but that, you know, by kind of going through this process that can help in that area um, where people are feeling like they're heard, they belong, they're developing, you know, they're part of a process or part of a culture that is continually improving and we're not always perfect. Um, And what a great analogy to then bring it to like, hey, if we're if we're serving each other and supporting each other in this way, we can do that with the children, youth and families that we work with every day. That just kind of trickles down to that work because, you know, we're we're experiencing it ourselves. And so we can, you know, draw from that experience. So. Tell me a little bit about how, like, what are some things that are important, um, you know, as we're thinking about working with our families and working with, um, you know, communities broadly, um, or even specifically, I guess we could be specific to, um, what are some things that, you know, if I want to be able to uh, partner with impacted groups and kind of be able to go through this journey together how how would i do that or what some things i need to kind of think through to be able to do that they need to lead the impacted groups the historically minoritized groups need to lead Mm -hmm. you have Mm -hmm. to be a servant leader somebody who leads from behind or beside but not in front 
Um, you have to be in service to that organization or that group in order for them to lead. Mm-hmm. Because if you're really going to do the work, that's what we need to we need to deeply listen and to. And that's the hard part about being a consultant, right, is because you have the client and they want this and they want that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you have the community that's going really slow or needs to learn or, you know, needs some capacity building or needs to really first first thing. Identify the harm that has happened in the past mm-hmm. and then address it mm-hmm. like Nothing is going to really happen until the client hears about the harm that's happened in the community that the client has caused. Mm-hmm. So that would be step one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you need to center those voices in order to identify the barriers. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to the client to tear down the barriers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the community may even tell you how to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, like, that's an ideal. And that that Barry Dunn is the facilitator of those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I was I was going to ask uh, and follow up to that one is um, do, do you would you do you recommend for agencies that are kind of looking to engage the community in this type of work and having these types of conversations? that in order for everyone to be actively at the table having the conversation you really kind of need that third person that who could be facilitating so that you don't have someone who's like from the agency who's facilitating the conversation it really is parties at the table equal to the you know to the work yeah yeah Yeah, i would totally recommend a third party yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that's what's key in in something that Dr. Moses has shared is that that feeling of partnership, because it's very likely, at least for, for many of the state agencies that are um, traditionally and historically that have done at least public health work before, it has been forced upon communities. And so there probably has been prior challenges and sensitivities and um, poor poor relationships that mm-hmm. have been, whether that is existing currently today, there is probably a historical background that has challenged the relationship between the community and the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, while that may not still exist, creating an environment that really fosters that partnership and that commitment to partnership with that third party is going to be key. And I think that's one of the areas that Barry Dunn really excels in because of the relationship building that we've been able to do with so many of our communities. Um, that's that's going to get to that sense of belonging that Dr. Moses has mentioned previously, um, help get get those parties on board so that the listening can occur, so that the impact can be perceived and felt later down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Dr. Moses is uh, suggesting a couple resources. We'll make sure we put that into the description of the the podcast here, so that everyone can uh, get those resources for sure. Um, one other question: um, So, if I'm in an agency and you know I'm working with people who don't really understand 
the importance of DEI. What are what is something that I could do? And I know it's not a be all end all. One thing solves the world's problems kind of thing. Um, but to kind of help begin to build that buy in for for this type of work. Anything that you would suggest? I think the framing of everybody wins is super important. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely critical mm-hmm. because it can feel like if you're a person who's part of the dominant culture, that it could feel like you're losing mm-hmm. something, power, prestige, position, and actually you're not. Mm-hmm. Actually, you're freeing yourself to be yourself and not have such a deep sense of urgency or a deep sense of perfection or a deep sense of there's only one right way. Mm-hmm. You're allowing everyone to come in and to take risks and fail forward and discover their 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 jewels, their mm-hmm. you know, the shiny, sparkly parts of themselves that have not been welcomed into the organization before. Right. So that's how I see equity as a game changer for creativity and innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and would love to, Mindy, what's your what's your take on that? Because that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Definitely a great question. And but I what really sticks out to me is the importance of that buy in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so critical to address that head on before moving forward, because I think if you attempt to implement or address DEI initiatives without that fundamental buy in from those key players, it's not gonna be successful. You're gonna have resistance on either side. You may have a really interested group of people, a subset that really want to move this forward, but if they don't have the buy-in from the sponsors and the leadership that they need, it's not gonna be effective. So Mm -hmm. teasing that out, understanding why there isn't and what the challenges are, I think it's worth the time because otherwise it's just gonna be an unsuccessful initiative. Mm Yeah, so true. So true. And I think that I think I I can't even believe we're at the end of our time together. This has just been like so such a good discussion. And I feel like, oh, I'd like I'd like another like 10 hours, you know, to like talk about this, learn, make my own mistakes and fall forward (laughs) and uh, and and really begin to uh, to empower others to do the same. Um, We have definitely learned so much from you. Um, from both of you. And so for our listeners, I want to remind you that change is hard, but worth it. And this type of change is definitely a journey and definitely one that is worth the time and the effort. Um, One that you have to start where you are, uh, where you're at, and then keep aiming forward, encouraging the people that you work with um, and for. Um, Be open to listening to communities and to consider how one change could really make a difference. I would like to thank Dr. Moses and Mindy uh, for joining us today and giving us the tools to get started. Dr. Moses, thank you for those uh, 
those resources and for spending our the time with us today. Um, we'll also put the uh, link to uh, to your website as well. Um, and Mindy, thank you so much for sharing your guidance and your thoughts on how it's worked um, within Barry Dunn and, and even in your own journey. We'll also be able to uh, put that uh, link in our uh, bio here for, for the um, for the, the podcast. So for those who are not sure of spellings, we'll make sure all of that contact information is also in there um, so that you can reach out because uh, Mindy and Dr. Moses truly are gems when it comes to this DEI work and probably can talk about it for hours as well because it really is their passion. So thank you so much for joining us and take care.